Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Today, the Texas Attorney General is requesting transgender youth's patient records from a Georgia clinic. Senator Fetterman plans to force a vote barring Senator Menendez from classified briefings. The former IRS contractor that leaked a bunch of tax returns, including Donald Trump's, has been sentenced to five years in prison. Senator James Lankford is pushing back on Trump's blockade of a border deal. And the NRA CEO, Wayne LaPierre, continues his testimony in his corruption trial. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back, my friend. I missed you greatly. I missed you as well. And just to get started, I want to thank all of the Leguminati who showed up in Tampa at the Funny Bone last night. Um, there was at least 10, 10 Beans listeners that I know of that at least came up and said hi. So for those of you that were at the show, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, even in even in Florida, AG, there was just one Trump supporter in the audience that I pissed off, but uh, I think she so she showed herself out after we had a, a couple of words. 
Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh, you had a Trump heckler? I did, but it was Florida. So I was actually surprised there weren't more. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things during a show, you sort of give it a little bit of oxygen. And then when you realize it's not worth it, you just start talking <laughs> over them and move on. <laughs> Yep. I've been there many, many times, my friend. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I just want to thank everyone who came out to the show in Tampa. And uh, if you're in Bend, Oregon, March 8th, anywhere in Central Oregon, or Fort Lauderdale, April 12th, um, both of those shows are on sale on my website. So danagoldberg.com, come see me live. It is a good time. That's so cool. That's, yeah. I'm. Thanks, everybody, for going out and seeing Dana. And And I'll tell you, I've been to one of your shows and I need to go to more. They are, you're absolutely hilarious. Thank friend, you. So. That was a fun night at Martini's Above Fourth in <laughs> San Diego. Yeah, it was a good time. It so was. It was so much fun. So if, you know, if you get a chance to get tickets to go see Dana, do yourself the favor. You will not regret it. Uh, in fact, you'll be like, that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for continuing to do your live shows. I know uh, you get to do, I miss you when you're gone, but I'm so glad you get to do those. Yes. Thank you for um, always covering me. Of course. Now, before we get to the hot notes, somehow indicted Senator Bob Menendez, who has been indicted for lobbying for Egypt and Qatar without registering as a foreign agent, by the way, is still getting classified briefings in Congress. Oh my so, God. So Senator John Fetterman told CNN's Manu Raju he plans on forcing a vote this week to keep his fellow Democrat from receiving those classified briefings. Quote, the director of the CIA is now involved in negotiations with two nations that Menendez is accused of being a foreign agent for, and he's getting kind of classified briefings. I don't believe that should be allowed. Yeah, I, I concur. I think Menendez should resign. I agree I'm, with you as well. Yep. I'm being honest. Yep. All right, we have a lot of news to get to today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, from Madeline Rubin at the Texas Trib, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is requesting the medical records of Texas youth who have received gender-affirming care from a Georgia telehealth clinic, marking at least the second time he has sought such records from providers in another state. The clinic, called QueerMed, confirmed on Friday morning they received a request. QueerMed said it stopped servicing youth in Texas after the state banned transition-related care last year. That's also so sad. The clinic's founder said the attorney general requested information about patients dating back to January of 2022, before the ban even took effect in Texas. The clinic said Paxton asked for private information about Texas residents who were provided with telehealth care in Texas before the ban and residents provided with care outside of Texas after the ban. The request, they said, nearly mirrors one the attorney general sent to Seattle Children's Hospital last year. We talked about that here on this show. Paxton asked Seattle Children's for a variety of patient information, including the number of Texas children they've treated, medications prescribed to children the children's diagnoses, and the name of Texas laboratories where tests for youth are administered. In response to that request, known as a civil investigative demand, Seattle Children's sued the Texas Office of the Attorney General in December. QueerMed confirmed that Paxton sent his request to them on November 17th, the same day that Seattle Children's received the similar demand for documents. QueerMed received the request December 7th due to mail delays, its receipt of the letter was first reported by the Houston Chronicle on Friday morning. The Office of the Attorney General did not respond to requests for comment. Now, these requests come amidst an intensified Republican-led effort in Texas to block the state's transgender youth from accessing transition-related care, like puberty blockers and hormone therapy, life-saving <laughs> life, life -saving things. Yeah. And, and, and last year, the state banned doctors from prescribing such treatments to minors, even though 
Made all major medical groups argue that gender affirming care is life saving for transgender youth who face higher rates of suicide attempts and mental health problems than their cisgender peers. The law, which is SB 14, also made it illegal to perform surgeries on minors. But before the law passed, Texas Pediatric Society President Lewis Apple said he was not aware of minors in Texas having bottom, bottom surgery, an umbrella term for surgery that involves genitals. Karen Lowy, a lawyer with Lambda Legal, representing organizations and Texas families on transgender youth trying to block SB 14, said there is zero authorization in the law for Paxton's request to clinics outside of Texas. Quote, it's hard not to see this as part and parcel of the AG's scorched earth approach to persecuting trans kids and their parents who are being forced to undertake travel outside of Texas to get their kids the medically necessary care they need. That's what Lowy said. Texas is one of 19 states, 19, with laws restricting minors' access to gender-affirming care passed in recent years. Republican lawmakers have also sought to restrict transgender youth from using certain public restrooms or playing on sports teams. Uh, I mean, just bill after bill after bill and state after state. So to our brave and beautiful trans listeners and trans allies, we see you. Uh, I am so sorry the Republicans are trying to erase your entire existence. It's despicable. And DG, thank you so much for your work with HRC and Lambda Legal for helping with this fight for just the basic right to exist. Absolutely. And I'm not going to stop. You know, last year we had over 640 LGBT, anti-LGBTQ bills. AG, there's already been 200, over 200 bills introduced in the first three weeks of this year in different legislatures. So this is going to be a long, tiring year, but just know that we're going to fight all of them. Most of them are unconstitutional. And um, we're, you know, it's, we're, you've got, you've got power behind it. There are people that are going against these laws. Every time they're introduced, the bills are introduced, there's people fighting against them, uh, but it's exhausting. And I'm sorry. And so please rest, find safe places and reach out to your community because we need you. And we love you and you have allies, especially uh, on this podcast. So make sure you lean into it, please. Um, thank you, AG. Next, this is from Daniel Arkin at NBC. Now the National Rifle Association leader Wayne LaPierre testified Monday that he authorized thousands of dollars in helicopter rides so that executives of gun rights groups could avoid getting stuck in traffic while traveling to and from NASCAR races. NASCAR. Off. <laughs> NASCAR races. Yeah, on his second day on the stand in civil corruption trial, LaPierre, he's 74, was shown three invoices for helicopter services totaling more than $16,000. Well, he confirmed that he approved those flights in 2015 and 16 and said helicopter trips were a practice at the time. LaPierre, other former and current NRA leaders, and the organization itself are fending off a lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Tish James, Letitia James, doing the Lord's work. And this was in 2020, by the way, that alleges they violated nonprofit laws and redirected millions of dollars of NRA funds for personal use. And it sure seems like they did. The helicopter rides were the attorney general's latest example of that alleged spending. One of those flights, AG, cost $7,500, almost $7,600. This is what LaPierre confirmed, by the way. Yeah, Kanye Robinson, who serves as the NRA's president from 2003 to 2005, was the single passenger on that helicopter ride. Mm-hmm. LaPierre testified Friday that he used the NRA's funds on chartered private jets, family trips, black car services, high-end gifts for friends. 
On Monday morning, he was shown and confirmed the validity of multiple invoices, including one of the one for December 15th, a private plane from Washington, D.C. to the Bahamas that cost nearly $19,000. Yep. Assistant Attorney General Jonathan Conley also directed LaPierre to clothing purchases made by Ackerman McQueen, the NRA's advertising and public relations firm at the time, totaling more than $274,000. Oh, my God. And by the way, Ackerman McQueen was the one that was getting uh, Russia money, all that yeah. Russia money that was funneled into the NRA. Remember that? That's them. I wish they were covering this fucking story on podcast that people who believe in gun rights listen to so they know where their money to the NRA is going. If they don't believe that it's Russian funneled and they don't believe that it's actually being used for this nefarious stuff, this is proof. I wish that they were the ones hearing it. I know we're in an echo chamber here. Well, LaPierre confirmed that he did buy clothing at Zegna, a a high-end clothing store in Beverly Hills. He insisted that he did so only at the behest of the officials at at Ackerman McQueen, who, quote, hated how he dressed and encouraged him to buy new clothes that would look good on television. This is a quote, Mr. McQueen used to literally beat me up to get a wardrobe at the store. That's what LaPierre said. He said, I did all the television for the NRA. I'm sorry. I do not get, and I've asked, (laughs) but I do not get a clothing um, write-off. I don't get hair, makeup, all that glam tax for women to appear on television. You know, and people in general. I mean, it it doesn't just have to be women. None of that is stuff that you can expense as for your business. And I guarantee these people that are hoarding a dozen AR-15s don't give a shit what LaPierre's shoes are from. He, they just, no. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I just want like, a, you know, a $40 Ponte pant from Express. I don't want $275,000 at Zegna or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is. God. God damn. Well, I'm glad all this is coming out in court. LaPierre said he actually spent more than $29,000 at that store in March of 2014 and another 39000 there in September oh. of 2000. 15. So he has his long, he's long been the NRA's public face. And he once hosted a television program called Crime Strike that was co produced by Associated Television. The company is owned by David McKenzie, who regularly hosted LaPierre on his luxury yachts in the Bahamas. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Throughout his testimony Monday morning, LaPierre appeared calm and answered most questions with yes or no. Well, he became more animated, just gesticulating with his hands and giving more detailed answers once the NRA's attorney began questioning him, which is interesting. During that cross-examination, LaPierre testified that it was wrong to charter private planes and limo services for personal use. He said he repaid what he owed the NRA with interest, although he did not specify exactly which expenses he paid back. He also detailed what grew to be a contentious relationship with the the Ackerman-McQueen firm once the NRA underwent a financial course correction. LaPierre said leaders at the firm called him a stupid fool and used other hateful and nasty words when he said he had asked to see Ackerman McQueen's records. Ackerman? I know I keep saying Ackerman and Ackerman. I think it's Ackerman McQueen's records to be compliant with New York nonprofit laws. Quote, the more they were determined to not have us see their books and records, the more determined I became to see their books and records. Sure. Sure, LaPierre. Uh, he also said Ackerman McQueen officials unleashed, quote, every nasty cuss word under the sun during the ensuing months. Mm-hmm. The Manhattan trial entered its fourth week Monday. Other defendants, including NRA itself, they're accused of violating nonprofit laws and internal policies as they enrich themselves. That's according to the lawsuit. 
contributing to the gun rights group's loss of more than $64 million in three years. Oof. Yeah. They are Wilson Woody Phillips, a former NRA treasurer and chief financial officer. That's John Fraser, the corporate secretary and general counsel. Okay. Those are the other people. Now, in if the jurors find LaPierre, Phillips, or Fraser liable, they will recommend the amount of money that each would have to repay NRA. State Supreme Court Judge Joel Cohen, who has the final say over monetary damages and remedies, could determine whether the defendant should be permanently barred from serving on the board of any charity in New York and whether an independent monitor should oversee the NRA's finances. I vote yep. yes. Yeah, just like the good old Trump organization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should know about uh, maybe by tomorrow. Next up from Ryan Riley at NBC. Also, Daniel Barnes is on the byline. The former Internal Revenue Service contractor who leaked the tax records of former President Donald Trump to the New York Times, as well as the tax records of billionaires like Bezos and Elon Musk to ProPublica, was sentenced to five years in prison on Monday. Five years. Charles Littlejohn pled guilty in October, and prosecutors sought the statutory maximum of five years in federal prison, saying he abused his position by unlawfully disclosing thousands of Americans' federal tax returns and other private financial information to multiple news outlets. Prosecutors said that Littlejohn weaponized his access to unmasked taxpayer data to further his own personal political agenda, believing that he was above the law. Little John was sentenced by U.S. District Judge Anna C. Reyes, that darn political uh, Biden appointee. Oh, ma'am. At a hearing at the federal courthouse in Washington, he'll also have to pay a $5,000 fine. Quote, you can be an outstanding person and commit bad acts, she said. What you did in targeting the sitting president of the United States was an attack on our constitutional democracy, she added. Reyes compared Little John's actions to the other recent attacks and threats against elected officials, as well as to January 6th defendants that she had recently sentenced. She described his actions as deliberate, complex, multi-year criminal scheme, but said she believed he sincerely felt a moral imperative to act as he did. Little John's attorney argued that he had committed the offense, quote, out of a deep moral belief that the American people had a right to know the information and sharing it was the only way to affect change and that he believed it was right at the time. What Little John's conduct, uh, while it was inexcusable, his lawyer said, and breached the trust placed in him by the United States government and the fact that it violated the privacy of thousands of taxpayers, a strong message of general deterrence had already been sent to the public. Little John, who was 38, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, briefly addressed the court before receiving his sentence, saying that he acted out of a sincere but misguided belief that he was serving the public. Taxpayers deserve to know how easy it was for the wealthy to avoid paying into the system. That's what he said, saying he believes that Americans make their best decisions when properly informed. Quote, I made my decision with the full knowledge that I would likely end up in a courtroom. So five years for this guy. Wow. All right. This last one's from uh, Filipowski at MTN. Oklahoma Senator James Langford who won re-election recently despite receiving no help from Trump, by the way, against a MAGA primary challenger, obviously is one of the very few Republicans not terrified of the former president. That's probably why Mitch McConnell tagged Langford to negotiate a border deal with Chuck Schumer and the Biden administration. That deal has been agreed to in the Senate, but Donald Trump and MAGA candidates' number one issue by far is the border and immigration and are doing everything they can to obstruct any deal getting done. House Speaker Mike Johnson admitted last week that he has received, quote, several calls from Trump about it, who was adamant that he did not want a border deal to happen. 
Shortly after those calls, Johnson called the Senate deal dead on arrival in the House. However, Johnson's majority is down to just two votes. So only a few defections could get this done if it's brought to floor for a vote. Republicans loyal to Trump have tried to uh, demagogue the agreement, calling Langford all the usual names, deep state, rhino, uniparty establishment. Langford was even censored by his own state party in Oklahoma for agreeing to the deal. In an interview on Fox over the weekend, the Fox host sounded like the campaign manager for Trump, asking Langford why in an election year would he let Biden take a victory lap that he's got something done. Langford responded like this, and I quote, It's definitely not going to let a bunch of people in. It's actually focused on actually turning people around at the border. It's interesting. Republicans Republicans four months ago would not give funding for Ukraine, Israel, or southern border because we demanded changes in policy. So we locked arms together and said, we're not going to give you money for this. We want changes in law. Now, it's interesting. A few months later, when we're finally getting to the end, it's like, quote, oh, just kidding. I actually don't want change in law because it's presidential election year. We all have an oath to the Constitution. That, again, was from Langford. In another interview, Langford argued that when Trump was president, he asked for exactly the same things that are in the agreement which is now opposed, he opposes since Biden's president. So everyone's opposing it just because Biden's president right now, even though Trump wanted these same things. Langford also noted that Trump hasn't even seen the agreement. I guarantee he hasn't read it. So he couldn't possibly know what's in it. And I quote, even while he was president, he was specifically asked by Congress to change the standards on asylum to give him additional funds for deportation. All of those things are in this bill, end quote. This, this is, a, this is, it seems, it seems like the same thing with like Romney healthcare, you know what I mean? And yeah. then it turned into Obamacare and everyone was like, fuck that. And this sounds like <laughs> the exact same thing. They're trying to fix the border. This is the same shit Trump wanted. And now he's not going to let it happen because it will give Biden a win. It's such bullshit. Yeah. And, and the Dems called their bluff on this. Yeah. You know, the Dems were like, well, just give us money. And they were like, no, we want all these rules. And Biden's like, all right, cool. You got it. And they're like, no, never mind. We never wanted to fix this. And, and you know, Better O'Rourke was right when he said they don't want a solution, they want the problem. And now everybody knows it. So that's, I hope, put in every dumb ad from now until November. All right, we have a lot of good news to get to. If you have good news to submit to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back with it. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, everyone. Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And uh, if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the whatever, what's the model of your oxalotl is still my current favorite. Or what the Uh, fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) What the fark is in your arc uh, we Uh, got yesterday. That's actually, why did that gem come in while I was gone? That's sort of (laughs) brilliant. I know, I love it. Uh, So anything like that, you can send that to us. Or, you know, your pod pet. You can pay pod pet tax. And if you don't have a pet, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area or a small business in your area that could use a shout out or your small business or a self shout out, shout out to a loved one, any kind of shout out, really. Uh, And also, we would love to hear your student debt forgiveness uh, story. Those are incredible. Um, Please send them in. If you have a positive story about the Department of Veterans Affairs, I want to hear about that, too. 
uh, dissertation titles, theses, titles, frog orgies, baby pictures, anything at all, send it to us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First step from Jeff C., pronouns he and him. Hi, Allison. The La Jolla VA saved my life. I was in a sober living facility in San Diego when depression took me down to the point I couldn't leave my room, not for smokes, not for food. My mom swooped me up to the VA and I was safe in the psych ward before I could realize I might not like it. The point is that I experienced none of the red tape and, and the delays that many vets have. I hadn't even realized I was eligible for care. My army service consisted of guarding chemical munitions at the Faserwald of Cold War Germany, which was, if anything, very, very peaceful. I had a friend, Jeff, who did that. Uh, despite my lack of combat, the VA has remained onside counseling, PTSD, therapy, meds, even ECT treatments before COVID unsettled my life a bit. My PTSD is a childhood trauma thing, not military. The army was the best thing I've ever done. And the VA has lifted me up since first contact. I feel guilty sometimes that service connected vets have had bad experiences with the VA, but I know without a doubt that uncle Sam is a hero at heart. Jeff, thank you for that uh, story. Yes. It's thank really you. Incredible. And thank you for your service. Absolutely. All right. This one's from Madeline, pronoun she and her. First of all, I would like to give a shout out to Dana and crew for staying informed on the news coming out of Ohio regarding House Bill 68. Most outlets are still focused on the veto and its override and not even talking about the proposals and the executive order. Absolutely, Madeline, you are welcome. Second, you asked for good experience with Veteran Affairs Medical. I have you covered. I received my gender-affirming care through Veteran Affairs for the past 17 months. And when I went to get my first batch of medications, they did not have the estradiol. Is that right, AG? Estradiol? Estradiol. Estradiol patches on hand? estrogen. Thank you. I went home that Thursday with only some of the medication I was prescribed and was told I could check in next week. The very next day, my doctor called me and asked uh, what was going on. She prescribed the pills to me, starting saying quote, you have waited long enough for this and that I could go on that Monday to pick the pills up. Mm. I arrived Monday at the VA pharmacy in Cleveland to pick up my pills only to learn the patches had arrived. I was asked if I still wanted the pills, which I turned down, though I now wonder if maybe I shouldn't have gotten those just in case. Well, you know, Dickory in Columbus <laughs> and got my first doses after work. So far, it's been an amazing wild ride. And I'm so glad I took this leap of faith. Thank you for all you do. Madeline, thank you. Thank you for just living in your power. I'm so glad that you have support where you have it from the VA. And we will continue to shed light on Dwine. He's he's just not a good guy. He's not a good guy, no matter what the press is trying to spin this. Yeah, exactly. Um, And uh, thank you so much, Dana, for pointing that out, too. Absolutely. Um, I mean, my God. And, you know, one of the coolest things that I got to work on um, was advising a committee. You know, I was the liaison to the Department of Defense for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Mm -hmm. And Department of Veterans Affairs has been, um, you know, helping folks with um, their medical treatment for um, all sorts of gender affirming care for decades, right? And when the DOD started allowing transgender people to serve openly, the DOD was like, we have no idea how to take care of our transgender troops, our active duty service members. And the VA was like, we do. And so we put together a, a you know, a subcommittee to, to help the DOD um, come up with their transgender care program. 
um, one of the coolest things. That's amazing. Absolutely. So I'm so happy. Thank you for that story. Next up, artist to artist, pronouns she and her. Actually, it's artist to artist. Uh, and dear beans queens, I don't know how I survived the horror show of the former guy before I found you, but I can say that since I've become an avid fan, I've been able to keep up with all the goings on and keep anxiety at bay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But enough about me. I wanted to share a story of my friend's student loan forgiveness. She's my age bracket, so mid to late sixties. She borrowed fifty grand to go to law school and has been practicing law for twenty-five years at least, all the while making payments for twenty-five years. And somehow, as of the first of the year, she still owed $75,000. That's $25,000 more than she borrowed. Until she received a letter from the president informing her that her debt had been forgiven. Now, that's some feel-good shit. For Pod Pet Tax, I'm including a pic of my pit crew. No need to what the mutt. It's obvious. Keep mm-hmm. up the good trouble. I depend on it. <laughs> oh, look at all these little sweet pities and their faces. The pit crew. I love it. I love this. I love it. The pit crew, crew. like like NASCAR. Right? You could get Wayne LaPierre to get you helicopter rides. There you go. <laughs> oh my what an incredible student loan forgiveness story. Thank you for sharing that. All right. You want me to take the next two or you want to grab the short one? You can uh, grab the next two. That's you got great. it. This one's from Kathleen, pronouns she and her. Hey, all of my daily beans pals. I just popped in to drop a misheard lyric that I simply cannot unhear because it makes sense because it makes sense to me. And how deep is your love? I always hear. And how you come to me in a submarine? <laughs> because well, that's how deep it is. Submarine deep. Fight it's, me. <laughs> it's and you come to me on a summer breeze. <laughs> but it come to submarine. me in a submarine. I love that Kathleen's like fight me. Let's go. Fight this me. is Poppy oh. looking windblown for pet tax. Poppy is definitely <laughs> it's the ear inside out cat. I love oh it. Oh my god. It's so um, good. And by the way, our good, my good friend uh, Joe, Jojo from Jersey, was a Saturday Night Live character this past weekend, along with Ellie Mistal. Nice, another friend. That was amazing. Uh, right. Very cool. I'd bring that be up because it was a, on a BG's talk show. So ah, that's why that that's where that connection came from. Got it. All right, thank you, Kathleen. And this one's from Eliza, pronoun she and they, kitchen table listener, first time writer. I'm catching up on a truly embarrassing backlog of episodes, and while I don't usually listen to good news when I'm in binge mode, I happen to catch that segment in Michigan GOP Shakeup from January 8th. And boy, howdy, did it make me good cry when Dana, now I'm going to cry again, when Dana said, quote, to anyone else out there who feels like they don't want to take up space in the LGBTQ community, the space is not limited. It is not finite. You are never taking up space. You are adding to a family. I feel weird even discussing my queerness because I sure do look like a nice cishet middle-aged lady. But Dana, thank you from this nice pan-romantic, gray asexual, gender-apathetic middle-aged person. And a belated congrats to AG. Maybe that's what I am. That sounds... I know. I bet there's a lot of people that fit into this. Well said, Eliza. And we continue for Pod Pet Tax. I shout out to a couple of exotic pet rescues in my area. Ratty Rats and Rabbit Haven. Both of them do fostering adoption advocacy work for their respective small mammals, and both have supplied my family with some beloved pets. Dogs and cats get most of the attention, I know, but these little gremlins are pretty great too. (laughs) The picture. (laughs) I've enclosed a couple pictures of my kids with their mischief, the collective noun for rats. Really? No, I didn't know that. A connect. Oh my God, I love that. 
That's a mischief. As you can see, the brown hooded rat is very good at helping with homework. Thank you both for all you do. I know a lot of people are freaked out by rats. I think they're so freaking cute. I know the tails are what freaks a lot of people out, but I, do, mm-hmm. I actually think they're adorable. I love rats. I had a rat named Maleficent. Oh. Um, I, and I didn't know my whole life. I just learned today from Eliza that a group of rats is called a mischief. I didn't know either, and I love this. That makes so much also, sense. Also, I can now call <laughs> a group of Republicans mischief, and no one will know what I mean unless you know what a group of rats is. <laughs> awesome. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The next picture is for you, Dana. From Lisa, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I wanted to share how life-changing student loan forgiveness has been for me. I paid student loans for over 18 years. As a special education teacher, I qualified for the public service loan forgiveness. As the years passed and making payments on time, the loan company lost track of my qualifying payments, and I lost hope that they'd ever be paid off. I called a representative, uh, representative after representative, and no one helped me. I even paid through the pandemic because I was so afraid I'd lose my qualification status. Last year, after the current administration had addressed issues with the PSLF, I spent three hours on the phone waiting yet again. Sure enough, I finally got a hold of the sweetest supervisor who was able to update my payments and said, honey, you're never going to make a payment again. Your count is well over the necessary 120 payments. In fact, you're owed a refund for paying during the pandemic. I cried the happiest tears with this woman. I explained to her I was pregnant with my first child that we had tried years and years to have. That's a whole other story. And that this forgiveness would give me the peace of mind to raise him without worry. Childcare is now doable. I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. I just want people to hold out hope that good things will come their way if they keep trying. And for cuteness tax, attached are the pictures of my eight-month-old, who is the absolute love of my life. I'm so relieved, relieved I can raise him without the worry of student loans looming over my head. Oh, look at this baby. Oh, oh man. That Lisa. They're all amazing, but that last picture. Oh, this is a cute, cute baby. My God. Thank you for that. Sweetheart. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good student loan forgiveness story. That public student loan forgiveness thing, they just effed. What what am I doing? They fucked us over at every turn. (laughs) It makes me laugh when you do that on this podcast. I forget where I am. Like, am I, is this the Steph Miller show? Where am I live? Oh my God, I do that all the time. (laughs) I'm actually shocked I don't get dumped off Steph Miller more because I've actually been able to control my cursing, (laughs) even though I'm allowed to say every word under the sun five days a week on here. I'm all what's effed up, but like it, they fucking lost track of so many of my payments. You know that's craziness. And then they were like, "Well, you know, you paid one time. I paid early in a month. I accidentally made two payments a month, and every payment after that didn't count. After that, because of that one weird payment, what threw it off? And and I couldn't get anybody to fix it. That's bizarre. In fact, I spent three years trying to fix that. My student loans were forgiven for a different reason before they even got around to fixing my public student loan forgiveness problem. Oh my God. It's bonkers. That is bonkers. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for all of your stories and good news and pictures. We really, really appreciate you. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the Leguminati who went out to Dana's show. You're going to want to catch one if you get a chance and uh, go to DanaGoldberg.com. You can find all of the shows and galas and everything 
so seriously worth it. Do you have any final thoughts, my friend? Um, no. <laughs> um, I don't. No. I spaced out and then I was like, I did, no, we should just wrap this up. All right, let's wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up, everybody. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And please take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.